This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, we're going to talk about how do you attract and then best serve your ideal clients. And there's several ideas I want to leave you with today on that subject, how to attract them and how to best serve them. First of all, you want to start with your why for doing what you do. And Simon Sinek actually did a TED Talk on this subject some years ago, I think he did an excellent job of talking about what he called the golden circle. And in this golden circle, in the inner circle, is the why, why we do what we do in business. And then the next circle around the inner circle is the how we do what we do. And then the outer, outer circle is the what we do. And what Simon Sinek said is that most businesses know what they do. They know the services they provide. Some know how they do it. In other words, what is their unique value proposition? What are their distinctives? How do they do things in a way that's different from other people in the marketplace? And he said very few are really in touch with why they do what they do. And so we want to unpack this in a way that you can share from the inside out, which means start with the why, go to the how, and go to the what. And what Simon Sinek said is that most people start with the what, and they may or may not ever get to the why. And by the time they even get there, people may no longer even be listening because people purchase services. People are attracted to you because of who you are, what you stand for, and what your why is. That's why they engage with you. That's why they do business with you. And so people like Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, who's one of my favorites, he says, these kinds of communicators even communicate in that inside out approach, starting with the why. And I think that's why I always resonated with his speeches, because it was always about the bigger, greater ideals, reasons, and purposes for doing whatever was being talked about at the time. So if you haven't listened to the Simon Sinek Golden Circle TED Talk recently, go back and look it up on YouTube, take a listen, and get a feel for how that applies to your business today and how you talk about your business and articulate what it is that's important to you. And one of the things he said about Apple, for example, was that Apple was all about challenging the status quo and thinking differently. And they had to articulate that to people to talk about that why, what they believed in and what they stood for. And when they talked about themselves from the inside out, people just lined up waiting to purchase the products. However, if they had started with, we make phones or we make computers or whatever it is, people would have been less attracted to that. Lots of other people 
make computers. Other people make phones and other devices as well. So it's the why that makes a difference to others. So just to give you an example, I'll share a little bit about how I see trans leadership, my business. And, you know, if I talk about it from the inside out, what is our why? What are we all about? And I'll just share those things with you. So first of all, we believe that every person is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He has placed you and your company here for this time and this purpose. In addition, you are gifted for your reason and for your purpose. And God is abundant in his provision. So our why is really to bring out the fearfully and wonderfully made you to really highlight those gifts and to connect you, connect you more tightly to the abundance of God and his provision. Now, how we do that is we have a vision for your greatness. And sometimes it's a vision that you may not even be seeing yet. And it's our purpose to call you to that higher leadership purpose that is on your life. And we do that with a balance of challenge and a balance of support. Some consulting companies will challenge you and not support you. Others will give you all kinds of support and not challenge you. We do both. We're going to challenge you and we're going to support you. We also are customized in what we are offering. It's not going to be just a cookie cutter thing that's applied to everyone. Yeah, there are similarities between companies where they may need a lot of the same things, but there are distinctives too. There are differences between organizations. And so whatever approach we use has got to be customized for you to fit you. And that's a distinctive in how we do what we do. We also believe in partnership and co-creation. So we're going to create it together. We're going to partner together to make it work. And we're going to do it together, which is another distinctive because some consultants will advise you Then when it comes down to implementing what they advise, they're finished, they're out the door. So we advise you and then we're there with you to help you implement effectively to make sure that the advice and counsel actually gets the benefit and results that you are looking for. So for us, it's all about preparation. It's about practice, planning, and performance. And to that end, We do a number of real plays with you so that you have a chance to practice what you're going to have to do in the next hour, the next week, the next month in real life in your company. But you practice it in advance so that you are ready and you can anticipate what it is that you're going to have to do. And then I would say what's important to us and how we work is to think about you as an executive from a whole life perspective, not just you at work, but who are you at home? What's going on with your spouse? What's going on with your children? And how might that be important? And focusing on what kind of legacy you really want to leave at the time that you retire. So we look at you as a whole person in that sense. Now, the services that we offer are very similar to services that many other consulting companies may offer, and that's the what of our business. And what we do varies depending on the client, depending on what they need. Not everybody needs 
the exact same thing. So for example, some of our services would be executive advisement, working directly with you, the executive leader, giving advice and counsel about whatever is going on in your business, whatever is coming up at the time, whatever you're facing, helping you to make high quality strategic decisions at your level of operation. Sometimes we're involved in developing an executive team and developing that team to to really be the strategic partner that they need to be with that executive leader to whom they report and benefiting the organization, again, because of the direction they set and also the strategic decisions that they put in place and make. Thirdly, in terms of the what, we do corporate consulting. And there are times you just need to have a roadmap about what's next and what to do. And in our consulting, we actually will provide that as well. Some companies need help with executive selection, bringing in the best talent to fulfill the roles that are open at the time or the new roles that you need in order to be successful going forward. So it's finding, sourcing, and selecting, and developing that talent once they're in place as well. A lot of organizations, and most organizations, if they really want to be successful, also require what I would call succession planning. You've got to figure out how to pass the baton to the next generation and to develop the next bench strength of leaders who are going to be the executives in the future. So that's another thing that we do as well. And then sometimes we're involved in speaking engagements. You might just need someone to come in and to speak on a particular subject that's about leadership and about executive success. And so we do that as well. So that's some of the what. And then I mentioned some of the how, and I talked a little bit about the core and the why. And if I think about that from a very personal perspective, I believe that I am here to reflect the light of God in all that I do. And I take seriously Jesus' comment in the Sermon on the Mount when he talked about, you are the light of the world. And when we think about being a light, a light shines in darkness. It shows the way, it shows the path, it shows direction. And so I see myself here as an ambassador, an ambassador that reflects the light of God. It's not that I have light in and of myself. The light is in me because of God and his Messiah and how that light has been given to me from them. Therefore, I can reflect that. Jesus also said in that Sermon on the Mount that we are salt. When you think about salt and think about food, salt makes the food taste better. So we are here to make a difference, provide a seasoning, make life palatable in a sense. And I see that as certainly a role for me. Salt is also a preservative to preserve what is good. And so that which is good doesn't spoil and doesn't go by the wayside. That's another purpose of salt. And he also said, you're a city that's on a hill. So a city on a hill is not hidden. So you're there almost like a lighthouse to be a beacon out there, you know, of love, of hope, of abundance, 
and reminding people about that abundance. So wherever I am, I feel like I'm called to be this light. I'm called to be that ambassador, to be salt, to be the city on the hill, whether that's in my own family, whether it's in my church, my community, with my own company, or with client organizations and client executives with whom I am working. So when I think about this in terms of the business application for me individually, it's I am here to bring inspiration, encouragement, strategies, and practical steps that executives and companies can take in order to live out their values, and particularly, especially those who have biblical Christian values biblical Christian faith, and especially those who are in medium to large secular companies where it's important to them to live out those principles. And I say secular companies because sometimes you just don't have the support that you need in those environments or the sounding board to figure out how to navigate some of the difficulties or some of the challenges that may be necessary to navigate. So that's number one, getting in touch with your why, who you are. The second part that's important to attracting your ideal customers and also serving them best is to know your values. Your values are your core. It's your DNA. It's the essence of who you are as a company, and certainly at the individual level, who you are as an individual person as well. So again, just sharing a little bit from our experience and what some of our values are, I'll just mention the key core ones for us that we've identified. Number one would be visionary optimism. We're very future focused in terms of what's important to us, how we work with our clients. We believe in positive leadership for positive business results. We have the notion that there is a way to do something and to get it done, even if you can't figure it out now, even if you can't see it. And we are committed to help you find it because we're bringing that visionary optimism to the table. Number two, I would say would be integrity. And for us, Not all money is good money. There are some things that we don't do. We have bottom lines. We will take stands on certain topics and subjects because we operate by moral principles. We have deeply held beliefs. So when we think about integrity, we're really talking about having a a direction and a compass that you are guided by and not violating that. So let me give sort of some examples that have been out in the marketplace that you might've heard before. A man might say to a woman, would you be willing to have an affair with me and therefore be unfaithful to your husband for $100? Most women would say, no, of course I wouldn't do that. He said, well, would you do it for a million dollars? The woman might say, no. What about if I offered you $10 million. And then if she says to him, well, I'd have to think about it, or maybe I would, then what he might say back to her is, okay, so we have established then that you really are a prostitute and all we're haggling over is the fee. 
That's what the man might say. Or the same man might say to the husband, how much could I pay you to sleep with your wife? And he might start at $100 and the husband would be highly offended, $500, and he might go up a million, 10 million, whatever. And if the husband says, maybe he would consider it at $10 million or whatever. Okay, now we've established that you are a pimp. And now we're just talking about the negotiation of the details of this pimp deal. So when you have integrity, there's no amount of money that will cause you to do something that you think is inappropriate because you're going to live according to your values and according to your principles. And even if it costs you, you will take a stand on what's important to you from that perspective. So that's integrity. And number three would be continuous learning. Continuous learning is fun, in my opinion, and also is necessary. The world is ever-changing, and we have to bring new knowledge and information to the situation. And so we must be committed to learning every day, continually learning. Everyone in my organization is committed to that. I want my clients to be committed to continual learning so that they don't become obsolete in what it is that they're doing. And the number four would be wisdom. Wisdom is important as a value for us. Wisdom is actually applied knowledge and information. So you're learning many things, then you have to know, well, what do we do with it? How do we apply that effectively in our organization? And I really believe that true wisdom comes from God. And so we do spend time with God seeking his counsel. And God has said, anybody who lacks wisdom and wants it, ask him for it. And he, again, is generous and he will provide the wisdom that we're looking for. And it makes me think of King Solomon when he built the temple and he was now king and he asked God for wisdom to lead his people. And God was impressed by that because he could have asked for riches. He could have asked for so many things. And because he asked for wisdom and something that would benefit the nation and God's people, God gave him the wisdom and he also gave him the wealth as well, the riches. So he got a little bit of everything, but he was pursuing wisdom. He wanted to lead God's people well. So number four, wisdom is important. Number five is collaboration and co-creation. I believe that you get to the third solution, the better solution when you co-create and collaborate together. So we co-create and collaborate internally in our organization. And we also use that same process when working with our clients. It's an important value of how we operate. And then six would be service. We're committed to service and providing value to other people. And when I say providing value, providing the value that they would identify as value is what's important to us. And then that leads into number seven, which is legacy, helping our clients to leave a living leadership legacy. And in order to do that, you first have to live it, then you leave it. It's leaving the organization better than you found it, developing people to use their gifts in a profound way, and also positioning the company for future success. So when you bring your values-based principles 
That's what you're able to do. So for us, it's visionary optimism. It's integrity, continuous learning. It's also wisdom and applied knowledge. It's collaboration and co-creation, service, and legacy. So those people who I would say are ideal to work with us are people who are successful uh, corporate or entrepreneurial executives in some cases. They typically have at least 25 years of experience, and they want to pass the leadership baton on to the next generation. Sometimes they just haven't figured out how to do that or what's the best way to do it. They want to create a positive leadership culture, even though right now there may be some blame or some discord in that culture. The objective is to create the positive leadership culture. They want to develop and grow their people without sacrificing business success. And they want to focus on the whole person of the people in their organization. They want to think about who their team members are outside of the workplace. What's important to them? What are they doing with their families? And of course, their career trajectory and what's important to them for future career success as well. And my clients definitely want their companies to be profitable even as they're doing all of this. Most of them are for-profit companies, so profitability is important, and how they do it is also important to them. And so what I want to say is that there is a both and. You can be a positive leader and a profitable leader at the same time. There is this false dichotomy that says maybe you can't care about your people and their whole lives and be profitable, and I'd say Yes, you can do the both and, and that's what we strive to do in terms of our values. So with this in mind, there are some clients that really are not in the sweet spot for us. There are some companies that aren't going to resonate with what we stand for, who we are, and what we are about. They won't be my person, my client, and I'm not going to be their person. For example, those companies and executives who don't care how they get results, who view people as expendable, as cogs in a wheel. And if you burn this one out and you get rid of them, just get another one. And I'm not saying that all people who are in a company are the right people to be in a company. Sometimes you have to make changes and you have to make shifts. And when you do, that is for the benefit of the company as well as that individual. Because if it's not a good fit for them, you're not doing them a service. You're not doing them any good, if you will. So when you are caring about people, you care about where they're they're ultimately going to be placed and if they have the talent and and the gifts to really contribute from that position. So companies that promote vices, whether they're legal or illegal, are not my clients. I'm not interested in promoting vice. So for example, I don't support organizations that are motivated for recreational cannabis use. That's not something that I think is useful or beneficial to most people's health. There are some significant downsides that people aren't looking at. So that's not something that I would pursue. You know, an organization that wanted me to come in and help them to do that better because I don't believe in that. Similarly, let's say in the Hugh Hefner days, if he came to me and said, I want you to help me to select the kind of women 
who would be the best profile for us to be the Playboy bunnies and to be at the mansion. Now, I probably have the tools to do that. However, that doesn't fit with the values that I have. So that would not be a good client for me. Similarly, somebody who wanted to promote online pornography, that's not a good client for me as well. They might want to figure out, well, how do we find the right target market and how do we get this information into people's hands? And of course, I wouldn't want to be a part of that. So it's important to know your values. It's important to know your why and to be able to articulate that because it's going to speak in the marketplace to those clients who are attracted to you and you also are attracted to them. So that's the attraction piece that we're talking about right now and being able to say why you do what you do, how you do what you do, and what you do. Now, thirdly, there's a little bit of market research that really helps, and that is to really know who out there in the marketplace is doing what you do, and maybe for the same population or target market, and what are their success factors? What's making them successful out there? You want to know about that, and you want to know about those clients that you have currently and also the prospective clients that you would like to have, what it is that they value in people who provide your similar services. So you want to take an inventory and you want to find out what these other companies are doing that's working. You want to find out what your clients and prospects really wish you guys were doing or what they really like that some people are already doing. And you want to take notes on all of this about what's working out there. Now, the reason that you're doing this is that you're gathering some intelligence that you can use in the future so that you don't have to guess what clients might want. You're going to ask them directly. And so when you guess, sometimes you guess wrong. So you don't want to guess wrong. You want to be out there finding out what's working and what they're wanting. You want to ask them, you want to talk about it. Now, this market research also jumpstarts your own creativity so that you build on the ideas that you've heard. You can think of new and better ways to do things. Now, it's not for you to just go and copy what other people are doing, because remember, You have your own unique DNA. Some of what others do will work for you, and some of what others do won't fit for your values, your purpose, your why. And some of it will work if you modify it for your uniqueness and your gifts. So, for example, suppose someone is a public speaker and they see that another person is extremely successful as a public speaker, because every time they speak, they sing a beautiful song that's relevant to the content of their speech. Now, that's great for that person because they have the gift of singing and speaking. If you don't have the gift of singing and you attempt to adopt that, you may drive away more people and more of an audience than you might attract. On the other hand, you might have the gift of poetry, of spoken word, And so you write a customized spoken word piece for each speech and each client that you're given the speech for. 
that's what you're known for because that's your gift. So again, you don't just take on what other people are doing. You see if it's relevant for you. If it fits for you, you modify it if it needs to be modified. And some things you don't take on at all. And sometimes you just use it as an idea to spur you to think of better ideas that you can use for your company. Now, this market research is not for you to feel bad or to feel less than because you are more than enough. You have what you need to get what else you are trying to accomplish and do and whatever else you do need that's not there yet, you will get that too. Because remember, we are serving a God of abundance. So you have the mix of ingredients that you need. It's just a question of how to mix them together to get a good tasting cake. So you might have the baking powder, you might have the flour, the sugar, the milk, all these things. Mix it up wrong, you're not going to get a good cake. So you've got to know how to mix the ingredients that you have as well. So it's not about comparison. Keep your eyes on your own goals. There's no one who can be you better than you. So what I would say about the market research is this. You want to rejoice because it's the same as when a teacher tells you in advance what is going to be on the exam. So remember, success leaves clues, pay attention, and there's no need to always invent the wheel. The wheel may already be invented. You might just innovate on it in various ways. Now, after you do your market research, number four, you want to select an area of intervention. You want to identify and select what is it that we're going to work on. Pick one to three big rocks that you're going to work on so that you are providing the best service to those ideal clients. Now, you're not going to necessarily do all three at one time. This is how a lot of companies really cause themselves heartache and difficulty. You may identify three big areas, but you start with one. And when you start with that one, then you identified a few items in that one category of, let's say, customer service. Maybe you want to communicate more effectively with your customer on the front end in the middle of the service and on the back end. And maybe you've left a lot on the table because you haven't had that communication or educating the customer. So now you want to identify and select the few items, the small steps that you can take that have big impact. They're levers for change. They're strategic and executive level items and also functional area items that fall under this communication with the clients. And then once you have identified all this and you figure out what you're going to do, then look at number five. How are you going to evaluate whether you're being successful and effective? What are you going to do on an ongoing basis to test your effectiveness? What are the measures of your success that you'll have in place? How will you continue to get feedback from your client about what's working and not working so that therefore you can tweak it as you go along and you can learn as you go? And again, it's not what you think about what's working, but it's what the client thinks about what's working. So what is their priority? 
and what do they want you to address next? So after you've nailed the communication one, and maybe you have your second, third item, check in, see what might be most important to them. You might think the number two is one thing, and they might tell you that what you've listed as three is really their number two. So you want to pay attention to that market research and do a rinse and repeat, as I would call it. So because of your why, your purpose, and because of your values, you will discover that there are certain client groups who are attracted to you. You have a calling. You have a purpose. There are people you are designated to serve. You will also discover through your market research how to best serve them. And you want to be intentional about putting plans in place so you can serve them better and continue to get feedback about how you're serving them and what to do next. So I would say that though you have that sweet spot of who your clients are, like in my case, I would say it's corporate executives and mid to large size corporations who are values-based executives and especially Christian executives. I have other clients who come to me who are in entrepreneurial businesses. There are people who come to me who are values-based, but not necessarily with a Christian frame of reference, and I can still work with them and I can still help them, and that's fine. And you will find the same is true for you as well. So when I think about the Apostle Paul, he knew and God told him that he would be the apostle to the Gentiles. And as you know, the, the message of the gospel, the good news, first went to the Jews. And that was Jesus' ministry when he was here on the earth was to first speak to the house of Israel and offer them the saving knowledge first, because that's what God had planned. And he knew that his apostles were going to carry the message throughout the whole world. That's the commission he gave them, and they would go to the Gentiles. Now, Paul is a Jew, and he cares about his Jewish brothers and sisters. Even though his primary mission is a call to the Gentiles, he never stopped going to the synagogues and proclaiming the message there first and offering the message always to his brothers and wanting them to understand who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. So he did that as well. But his most profound work was really with the Gentile nations, and that's where what he was known for. So I'm going to read something from Romans, the 11th chapter, starting with verse 13. And it says, this is Paul speaking, for I speak to you Gentiles, Inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So he saw full circle. He knew that he was the apostle to the Gentiles and he was helping to save many people who didn't even know the God of the Bible, the God that the Jewish people did know. And he says, if some of his fellow Jewish brethren would get jealous in this process, and perhaps they too would be saved, how wonderful that would be, because he says their rejection had opened the door to the Gentiles, and now if they accept the Messiah, 
all the better and all the greater would be people coming to life, if you will, from the dead. So he cared about both. So I would say attract your ideal clients and customers through your purpose, through your calling, through your values, and then serve them in the best way possible because of the way you do your market research and because of your listening to them and understanding what they value, what's important to them, and understanding how your gifts will benefit and serve them. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.